1: Hello, it's Tuesday the 20th of August, I'm Jules Breach, he's Andy Brassel and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily.
2: Uh, To get a hat-trick wherever it's uh, it's the best thing uh, as a striker, so so I can be, I'm really, really happy about it, yeah.
3: It was never on a winner going to Macclesfield Town, uh, especially with their circumstances off the field. To keep them up was pretty much a minor miracle. I looked at that yesterday and you looked at Leicester and looked at Chelsea and you think, Leicester will finish above Chelsea.
1: Andy, it's another Tuesday. How's your week
3: been? Pretty good. Uh, Restart of football in Spain and Germany and Leon absolutely flying in uh, France. Less we talk about AFC Wimbledon, the better which is good although you know one point on the board can't argue with that
1: you've had a very sophisticated children's lunch today of fish and chips and your selection of mushy peas which i fish fingers fish fingers and chips wow that's even more of a kid's dinner
3: yeah absolutely
1: sometimes it's necessary though sometimes you
3: just gotta scratch that itch you gotta do it how was your weekend
1: uh good busy all the football Basically, just sat at home and watched football all day Sunday, didn't get dressed. And you cooked
3: a, cooked a paella? Cooked
1: a paella. Well. Oh, you said it the Spanish way and everything. Paella. Yeah. Fancy. Well, I, I,
3: like, well, I'm not fancy. I ate fish fingers for Come on.
1: <laughs> I love a bit of treat, So I filled up that paella bowl with treats. So it was delicious. Let's talk about football uh, because Frank Lampard, it's not been. The best start for as Chelsea boss for Frank.
3: It's been fish fingers rather than paella mm, so far.
1: It has, hasn't it? And yep. one all draw on Sunday at Stamford Bridge in his first home game against Leicester City. And really, Leicester probably should have won the game.
3: Yeah, and I think in terms of the, the results, it's, it's not been fantastic so far. There's been enough in those two games that suggests he's got something. He's got something to work with. He's got people on side and... and and pulling in his direction. I mean, you're right about Leicester should have won the game, but I felt that it was like watching, I don't know, Juventus at their best or something like that. That last 20 minutes, they just absolutely were relentless, just tore at Chelsea, and Chelsea weren't able to cope with that. Now, after the way they faded at Old Trafford in the first game, that's the concern, isn't it? You know, you can talk about basic mistakes, and, I think they'll look at conceding the goal like they did to Ndidi at the set piece. But um, th- that's really their main issue. And with a nascent team that's still coming together and a, a young coach who, very much like Andre Villas-Boas, and I hope for Chelsea fans' sake, he doesn't turn out like Andre Villas-Boas did at the Stamford so. Bridge. Um, I, I think that if people are honest with themselves, they'll know that Frank Lampard got this job a little bit too early. That doesn't mean that it can't work out like it didn't work out for Village boer but I think that has to be something we bear in mind every little judgment we make on, on Chelsea even at this early stage during the season and in one sense the fact that I mean Henry Winter when he wrote about it in the Times you know writes a tremendous match report he wrote about it quite evocatively about how there was a real swell of I don't know if nostalgia is the quite word, quite the right word, but a real swell of support for for Frank Lampard and the sense that that will keep trouble at arm's length, that will give him room to work uh, for the, for the moment. And I, I really hope that's the case.
1: There's been a lot to be impressed by though so far with Chelsea. I think because despite the fact they haven't got the results, I do think the performances in spells have been better than I was expecting. Mm that high press for the first 10, 15 minutes against Leicester, Chelsea could have been three or four nil up had they been more clinical in front of goal. And I I don't know whether that style of football can be sustained for a full 90 minutes. Clearly it can't so far based on what we've seen. But there are, there are positives that I can see in what Frank is doing in the style of football he's looking for. It's just whether or not it's too much too soon for the players.
3: I wonder if that says something about his experience or lack thereof at, at the top level because you look at other teams who might play in that way or attempt to play in that way. I think you look especially at, say, Dortmund, maybe to a lesser extent Liverpool. They've got a way of giving themselves a breather in game. Everyone knows you can't play like that for 90 minutes. So you've got to work out when is the point where you step off you drop a little bit, um, and maybe even like keeping possession is your way of, of of saving energy. Depending on what sort of players you have and what sort of team you have, you know that, that's something we saw with I don't know the Spain sides of of 2010 and most of the way through Euro 2012 up until the final, where they went crazy against Italy. That idea of keeping the ball as as containment and saving energy. No, they never looked like they were really doing that much with it. But sometimes you have to take a breather. I don't know if that's something we can specifically pin on Frank Lampard or if we look at English football more widely because it's something that the national team have definitely had an issue with. I mean, I think we can look um, back to the Roy Hodgson era and, you know, I remember um, going to see England play, yeah, it must have been Slovakia at St. Etienne uh, in the third group game in Euro 2016 it sounds ridiculous to say for a nil-nil draw, but, you know, if you talk about the game rather than the result, which sometimes we're not great at as a culture, are we? England were terrific for the first 50, 60 minutes. And then when they couldn't score, they just ran out of ideas, ran out of energy, and that was it. And even though England had made really positive steps under Gareth Southgate, that not being able to sustain physical effort, like, you know, blowing all your chips too early, is something that's been an issue for for, for them. So that, to me, suggests it's beyond a a particular coach or a particular methodology, but more ingrained in in our culture.
1: I agree. And I think it's something that Frank clearly has to work on with the team, because ultimately in those first few minutes of the game against Leicester, they had chances and they just weren't clinical enough in front of goal. And, And whether that's not having... See, They're missing Hazard. They're missing Mm. that match winner. I think Giroud is highly underrated. The way he lays the ball off for whoever else he's playing alongside or who's playing just behind him is at times exceptional. And unfortunately, he didn't have the right person with him Mm. at times in this game to finish those chances off. We saw in the Super Cup that when he has a chance in front of goal and he's able to take it, he can also score goals. So Mm. I was pleased to see Giroud start ahead of Tammy Abraham on Sunday is it enough? Do Chelsea have enough up front to be able to play this style of football? Because they're so vulnerable on the counter-attack if they're playing that high-press style of a game.
3: Yeah, they are. And it puts a lot of pressure on N'Golo Kante, doesn't it, to be his absolute best for, well, a lot of this season. You know, possibly up to 60 games depending on on, on how far they get in in, in cup competitions. I mean, you know, there are going to be times, I think especially if, as they seem to want to do, um, via Abraham, via um, Mason Mount, to really commit to developing their own players and not just developing their own players to sell, but developing their own players for their first team, which is something that Chelsea haven't really done. In, Mason Mount in a was long exceptional time. in the game. He, he was he was terrific again for, he was the, their for best the first player for me for the first hour. From Kante. Yeah, again for the first hour, he he, he was he was brilliant. Um, maybe again saving energy comes. As part of what the team do, maybe it comes as part of his his personal experience. But yeah, he was terrific, really brave. And again, the environment is set for him to flourish because that click between Lampard and the crowd, I think, is very, very important. It's something like the atmosphere last season at Stanford Bridge was pretty poisonous for long spells. Very negative, wasn't it? Yeah, and like, even when the results weren't that bad, then you know they ended up doing okay out of the season. If you imagine Lampard repeating statistically the season that Sarri's just had. I mean, he would be praised to the hills, mm-hmm. and, and and quite rightly in the, in, in the circumstances. Um, but I think you know it, it, it was probably the most negative atmosphere that there had be, been between team and crowd since the Rafa Benitez days. Really, it was it was pretty bad. Now they've moved on from that, and there is that sense of freedom, that sense of. Yeah, I guess a free hit this season because of the situation that they they find themselves in. But I think that situation is absolutely perfect for for Mason Mount. You know, ideologically, the crowd are ready for him. The club, the team, is ready for him. And you know, it's it's a great situation for him to be able to to, to build his his Premier League career.
1: A couple of my mates were at the, were at the game at Stamford Bridge mm. and talking about the atmosphere there and whether they're backing Frank. They said that. In the second half, they could feel around them that there was a sense of restlessness because the game ran away from them. And as we've already discussed, Leicester probably should have won the game.
3: Do you think that's just something that they need to get used to compared to like diminished circumstances rather than necessarily dissatisfaction with what Frank Lampard's doing?
1: Yeah. And I think that in comparison to if, say, for example, Maurizio Sarri was still in charge and they'd got three games into the season without a win, including that the Super Cup, yeah. there would have been booze mm. going into the final few minutes of the game up against it after being 1-0 up for the majority of the game and you know then coming away where you could have potentially lost it. There would have been booze if Sarri was still in charge, you'd imagine. So there is this sense that because Lampard is a club legend, he will be given more time. Obviously, the transfer ban helps that in a way it helps steady the ship doesn't it
3: yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know it, it, it makes it clear what you've, you've you've got to work with there's there's no doubt there's there's total stability um but yes yeah, it's, 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 it's going to take time I, I don't think there's there's any doubt about that and um you know that's that's fine because he's still learning as well i mean it's it's the perfect environment for him i mean any other season you'd be thinking He's got to fight on to save his job, because we can understand his history with the club. But mm. it's it's Chelsea, and Chelsea have really high standards. Their stability is further up in the club. It's it's not the coach. You know, you you can compare them in a certain way to the the, the way a lot of modern European clubs work. Say, um, you know, you look at Bayern, and their their stability is Hernes and Ruminiger and for a while it was. Some years back, it was, it was Beckenbauer. It's never been the coach. The coach is just a, another employee. But, but I think really this situation that they're in sort of lends itself quite nicely on, on, on all sides because say if they had been in a different situation, say if they had have been able to go and buy players and say if Frank Lampard had been in charge then, say if he bought some players, it didn't really gel. They were, I don't know, 8th in February, and out of Europe, and it didn't work, and they fired him. Is there a, a a real backlash from the fans just because Frank Lampard being who he is, if he'd not have been given that time, which he will undoubtedly be given? I know this is a hypothetical, yeah, but, we'll but, never but, know, but, which... but stay with me here. Yeah, You know, I, I think um, it, it, it's something that it almost forces the club to be a little less trigger happy than they might be in a in, in a parallel situation, in a normal situation.
1: Which is good because yeah. we don't want to see managers being sacked left, right and centre when it hasn't worked
3: well, the Premier League in is the really, short term. The Premier League has really gone that way. It has. Because the stakes have become higher and higher and higher. I mean, we've we've had a lot of teams have three manager seasons in, in the last little while. And, you know, when you get to a point and we've seen it, of course, there was a change of ownership there. But when... Swansea went through three in a season and you're thinking, oh, this is this is bad. You know, Swansea were a club, along with Southampton, until again, there were quite profound changes there, that you think this is a club for most of the time in the Premier League, that they were in the Premier League. Swansea had a very, very definite identity. So for them to get to a point where they panicked, that's, yeah, things are, things are really changing in this league.
1: It will be really interesting to see whether... The board listen to the f- the Chelsea fans. If, for example, things don't go to plan and they they actually go downhill, and Frank hasn't got re- the results that the fans are looking for, and we, I mean, are we talking I mean, bottom six? I'm talking really bad. Yeah, bottom bottom six in the table, and the fans want him out, but the board want to give him time. It'll be interesting to see whether they listen to the fans or whether this ultimate. Do you know what I mean? I
3: do know what you mean. I'm interested to see how bad it would have to get in terms of results. We're not talking about fans
1: to turn exactly
3: because, in in terms of the content, as you say in the games, they we could easily be sitting sitting here talking about them with six points and a UEFA Super Cup. I mean, it's it's not a massive leap, is it, from what they've produced to those results? It sounds weird when you see it written down what's actually happened, but. You know, they weren't a million miles away in any of those. I, th- I think, as as well as a side to this, we have to say, talking of managers and experience, what a good job Brendan Rogers is doing at Leicester already. They look formidable. I mean, we, we touched in, didn't we, last week on those teams that um, could be popping towards sixth. And um, yeah, yeah they're, they're in the mix. They're in the mix.
1: And that's a great point for Leicester at Stamford Bridge this early in the season.
3: It, it is, but because they were so good in that closing part, Should've I thought, bed, yeah, and I, and I did find myself thinking as well, with the exceptional situation that Chelsea are in, yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a great point at Stanford Bridge. In three months' time, will they still think it's a great point? Mm. Or what, will they think there's a couple of points we... We let go. Obviously, so much of that will be conditioned by the results Chelsea have from here on in. And I think the fact that they go away to Norwich next and they're home to Sheffield United next...
1: These are some good fixtures where they, Chelsea they, should be winning.
3: Well, that's the thing. All of a sudden, this is a point where there is pressure on. If they don't get points from these, or they just get like one or two points from those, then maybe there's a different angle to this, this conversation that we're having at the moment.
1: However, away at Norwich next we saw how well Norwich played at home this weekend. Yep. And the fact that Daniel Farker is going to keep to that style of football and they're going to score goals. Chelsea's defence don't look the strongest in the league right now. It's not going to be an, a, a dead set win for Chelsea.
3: I would be sprinkling essence of horse placenta on Antonio <laughs> Runica's cornflakes at the moment. There's there's no other way. There's no other way.
1: He's got to play, hasn't he? He's got to come back. Yeah, he's got to. Um, Another thing I found interesting about Lampard as Chelsea boss compared to Sarri is the fans haven't been getting on his back for playing Kante in the role he's in this season. Whereas last year, it was all they were talking about with Sarri and they were so negative about it. But now if Lampard's doing it. Oh, it's all fine. Yeah, I, th-
3: I think the perception was because Jorginho is so much Sarri's on pitch muse that he'd been shifted to suit Jorginho I think that was the issue and you know it's a it's a self perpetuating thing isn't it because Sarri's getting stick for everything apparently yeah for everything but apparently shifting their best player for his boy Jorginho's getting stick for struggling with the the demands of the Premier League and let's face it he's not the first player to have found it a bit difficult in his in his first season. Better players and worse players than him have found it that difficult and more difficult in the in their first season in the Premier League. I mean, I think Sari got some unreasonable stick because of Jorginho. And Jorginho got some unreasonable stick because of because of Sari. I'm really interested to see how this season pans out for Jorginho now that the the coach that he was seen as being totally synonymous with is is, is not there.
1: Well, he's getting game time Mm. and he's playing in the role he wants to play in. Kante is playing further up the pitch. So we'll have to see how it all pans out, as you say. But the fans clearly are giving Lampard a little bit of leeway there with that decision.
3: Kante's going to end up as their top scorer. Like, basically... Do you
1: reckon? Even after missing that shot against Leicester, he should have scored that. Uh,
3: The practice makes perfect. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, look, they're they're not full of goals this season. I mean, you wonder the other players who are marginalised who have been marginalised, who are maybe going to get a go. I mean, Michi Batsway, at some point. You know, they they can't rule anything out at the moment, can they?
1: They can't. We've got an email here from Neil Biggerstaff. Thanks for all of these. Remember, you can email Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com to get in touch. He said, I'm loving the new pod additions to the squad. Keeps me up to date with what's going on. And Andy, you did pronounce Kelowna correctly last week. Yes do you even remember how you said it not really have I said it right I think so great
3: I I, I had a few people get in touch saying you pronounced it right I think I just closed my eyes and hoped for the best
1: yeah that's what I just did I'm listening to you from Abbotsford British Columbia Canada and he said where do you think Chelsea will finish at the end of the season and if it is outside the top 10 is that a failure but if we finish top 5 is that a great season top 5 phenomenal season I think for Chelsea
3: I think it is. I also think it's it's the content rather than the result. I'm saying that because I've been watching the Leeds United documentary on Amazon with uh, <laughs> with Marcelo Bielsa, and the whole time you're you're watching a Bielsa team, you're thinking football's not about the results. Who cares?
1: Of course, it's about the results. Don't <laughs> give me that. Don't give me that. You're fuming that Wimbledon didn't win at the weekend. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> what do you think? So top five, I think that's that's a great season for Chelsea considering the circumstances, the transfer ban, their best player leaving. Uh, Frank Lampard in a role as manager that some people are saying is too soon. I think finishing top five would be a good season, especially now that I've seen how the other teams that should finish in the top six have been playing. I think Arsenal have been brilliant. So Mm. I think if Chelsea finish top five, that for me would mean they're finishing just below Chelsea because I think Arsenal will get top four.
3: Yeah, I I agree with that. But I think you look at Chelsea, I I think we might come back to this Chelsea-Leicester game on a a few occasions because I think that Chelsea, Leicester, Wolves, uh, maybe even Watford as we got it together. See, I do read the match. I read the mail we get. We got, we had someone complaining that Watford weren't in the mix there. Sorry. I I, I don't, I don't have your name to hand. It's not all about the results, Jules. Remember? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but uh, Chelsea are competing in a, in a different region of the premier league this year. I I think that's, that's, that's the point. I mean, going back to Neil's email, if they finish outside the top 10, well, it's, it's not ideal clearly, but it depends on where the team actually is. Where some of those players who are going to see them through subsequent seasons actually are, I th- I think that's the upshot of this season rather than, I I don't want to put a place on they need to finish fourth, they need to finish fifth, they need to finish in the top eight. I don't really think that that is the be all and end all of this season. And I think, you know, you're talking about your friends at Chelsea having a, a, a bit of unrest around them. I think that's normal at this point in the season. I think that'll settle. I think it will get better rather than, worse in terms of in, in terms of the fans grasp of what this season is about and the team's grasp of what this season is about unless it gets really 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 bad
1: also neil i do think it depends on how you describe failure as well, what's your kind of margins of what is failure and what is success? So, thanks for your email, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com ramble If you want to get in touch for next week, time for a break. After this, we're going to be talking about the Championship players that have made the step up to the Premier League.
2: Hey, I'm confident I can keep keep going, do well in the Premier League, and and we as a team, we believe we we can do it, and I'm 100 percent sure those guys will still still find me in the box, and and, and I hope I can keep scoring goals. Designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com ramble.
3: So I know you love talking about a bit of championship, Jules. Unfortunately enough... Timo Pukki has just made the Premier League his playground in the space of two games. That hat-trick at the weekend. Sublime. Four, four Premier League goals in two games. And that, they were really good goals. He's that,
1: joint top scorer in the league. No one expected uh, this after two matches.
3: No. And I uh, haven't seen... Not him,
1: even him, probably.
3: Ha, no. I <laughs> ha, haven't seen him play in Germany and then disappear into the ether through a not especially successful spell in Scotland and then go off to to, to Denmark. I never imagined this. And I don't watch very much Championship anymore, you see. It has to give somewhere. You can't watch every single league. And so I was surprised to see that, hang about, this guy's got 29 goals in the Championship last year. I thought that was achievement enough, but I did think that was the end of it. I mean, they've been having this interesting discussion in, in France recently about how the top scorer in Ligue 2 never quite gets it going in Ligue 1. And the top scoring uh, Ligue 2 last season, Gaton Charbonnier, who plays for Brest, missed a penalty in the first game. So oh. everyone's, oh, it's the curse. It's
1: the curse. It's the
3: curse. But then, Timo is like, oh, OK, hold my beer. Check this out.
1: Exactly. Incredible. He's there with a cigar in his mouth, isn't he, every week? Yeah. I, it, a lot of it is down to the style of football Norwich play. Daniel Farker and the way he sets his team up means they are going to score goals. And Timo Pukki every single week will have these chances. And he is a clinical, efficient goal scorer. If he gets those chances, he puts them away. I love the way he plays. He's so confident in front of goal. He's not worried about this is the Premier League. He just wants to score goals and help his team win.
3: Yeah, I think it was interesting seeing him uh, being interviewed by Gary Lineker on Match of the Day, where um, he said, well, yeah, this uh, is probably one of the greatest moments of my career. And then you could see his, the cog sticking around his brain. It's like... Well it was only hat trick in the second game. Should I really be saying that? <laughs> and I was thinking, go for it. Just go for it. Say that.
1: That step up from the championship, it's been a challenge over the years for many players.
3: Yeah, it's- well well, you know what, Jules? If you're Che Adams having just arrived at Southampton after a very good season in the in, in the Champo with Birmingham, you, you get home after missing that sitter, mm. let's let's not skirt around it against Liverpool. And, you know, the chance to make a name for yourself by scoring against Liverpool, you're not really going to get a better chance. You come home, turn the telly on and watch Timmy Pookie making it it look like it's easy.
1: Yeah, that's tough. It must be tough for the players that have come up from the Championship from last season who are watching on and seeing how well Pookie and some of the other players have adapted to the Premier League. And as a striker, you're judged on the amount of goals you score. Last Mm. season for Birmingham, Che got... 22 goals and five assists. He's yet to get on the score sheet this season. And it's all about breaking, getting that first goal, isn't it? Then you can relax. Right, I've got one in the Premier League now. Now I can carry on. It's too soon to judge Che Adams and say whether he can or cannot make the step up. But so far, it's not been the best watch.
3: Yeah, well, I don't know what people expect because Southampton paid, what, 15 million for him? I mean... Many goals, how many Premier League goals do you expect for that amount of money these days?
1: If you're I th- a Southampton fan, a lot. You think, want a lot.
3: I think if you're getting 10, you're, you're doing all right. And, you know, it is only the start of the season. He is only just adapting. And we've got to bear in mind that Southampton are entering a new phase under Ralph Hasenhutl. This is the first time he's had a pre-season with the team. This is the first time he's got to start making it his own, not with a, a, a limitless budget. I like but, him as well. Yeah, I like him a lot. But he did a phenomenal job getting them away from the bottom three last season. I don't think that's something we can emphasize enough. And, um, you know, it is going to take time to, I, and I, we we're talking about Wimbledon before, I think after Wally Downs got the team away from the bottom last season and, you know, the the, the form in the last two months of the season was kind of promotion form really to, to get us into that position. But then you've got to start all over again that's very very difficult and that's the sort of thing that that Southampton are doing this season because the last thing they want is a repeat of of that relegation struggle but doing that with a young player and all of a sudden it's like right okay you've got to you've got to help us steer us away from from that scenario and you're straight in there with a a big game against the the the, the European champions after the knock their confidence must have taken after losing at Burnley last week. I mean, there's no way they deserve to lose that game 3-0, but that's what happened. It looks hideous on paper. And then you've got to welcome Liverpool. And, you know, for, for parts of that, I thought Southampton did pretty well. They, they they created a lot and, you know, they almost snatched something at, at, at the end, thanks to a few little gremlins at the back for, well, that's, for Liverpool.
1: I think that'll be the most disappointing thing for Southampton is that they... They didn't come away with a point from that match because facing Liverpool at a time where their defence does look shaky, where they haven't got their first choice goalkeeper, mm. where Adrian clearly gave away a terrible, terrible goal. It, it, that's the sort of game, especially like you say, they had chances that I think Southampton will be disappointed they didn't come away
3: with a point. But I think that the difference between the situation that Che Adams is in and the difference uh, and, and the situation that Timo Pukki is in. I think that those are two totally different situations. You feel the stability with Norwich. Norwich know what they're about. So I'm not saying that Norwich will finish higher than Southampton. I mean, there's probably less only, pressure only on Norwich, we'll isn't there? Cause they've that just as well. come up. So that as well. yeah. they just know
1: they've got to go out there and play a good game. Most people have written them off to be relegated. So they just think, right, let's play football. Let's enjoy it. Let's play the style we want. Let's stick to our philosophy. And enjoy it while we're here. Whereas for Southampton, they've been in the Premier League for a number of years now. They struggled last year. They don't want to have another year like that. With Ralph Hasenhutl, as you say, in his first full season, they're expecting a bit more and they don't want to be in another relegation battle come the end of the year.
3: Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I, I think of those promoted teams, though, there's going back to the promoted teams. We talked about them last week. I I do think there's there's pressure on Villa to 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 get it right because of the amount of amount money, money. they've spent and because of the dimensions of the club. I mean, they're an enormous club. You know, you're talking about European Cup winners. Uh, they're still remembered across Europe and across the world for 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 being European Cup winners. And um, were well, they you are a know, bit
1: unlucky? Tom Heaton giving away that penalty yeah, so see, early I, on that I, was a I, bit
3: sloppy. I don't think that's unlucky. I just think that's 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 poor play. You know, you expect your experienced players to to come through for you and you know, they gave themselves an absolute mountain to climb really and 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 from there on in, you know, we, we saw how it went. They need to get some points on the board pretty quickly I I think to stop the rot setting in, especially as like their last couple of seasons in the Premier League were just awful. You know, they're in the same boat of Sunderland, where they probably should have gone like the season before they went down or maybe even the season before that. And they just about managed to to, to pull it out of the fire. But, you know, the, the the pressure on them because you heard it when, again, watching it on Match of the Day and the first thing the commentator says, I, th- I think it was Conor McNamara going, the Holt's end is it's one of the great ends mm-hmm. in English football. And it is. It really is. And, you know, you think that is some weight to carry on the other hand John McGinn who haven't said as I did before that I, I didn't don't really get that much of an opportunity to see much of the championship these days haven't really seen that much of a, a club level I'm a big fan and he looks special he, he looks does. he looks really really special so when we're talking about players making the the step up from the championship I mean he's one of those guys who's, who's, who's made it look easy Sol could probably do a book on what's happened in the last year as being a manager
1: And we talked about Lampard at the top of the show. There are a lot of other managers in the same mould right now that are players turned managers.
3: Of a certain generation. Of
1: a certain generation that all have differing views, differing fortunes. So I think it's worth the discussion on kind of where they're at right now. Let's talk Sol Campbell because he walked away from Macclesfield last week, understandably, mm. after not being paid for months. And you can completely understand why he's done that. He left amicably, but he's been given a tough time since his departure, hasn't he?
3: I find this quite difficult to get my head around. And um, unfortunately, I think so often we play what we believe to be uh, a, a, a footballer or a coach's um, personality. And we don't know. We only no moments of them, don't we? And we piece together what we think they're like from from that. I, I think even even when, like like you or I, we're in the media and we come into contact with people all the time, we come into contact with players and managers all the time, we know we're meeting them just for a, a brief moment on most occasions and we're only seeing a snapshot of where they are at that point in their life. Just as is the same with, with any person. And vice versa. In life. A- absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the perception of Sol Campbell as, you know.
1: The greatest manager of all time.
3: (laughs) Well, I think that perception of him as someone who is a little bit full of themselves and not the easiest bloke to get along with is something that weighs quite heavily. I think there's a lot of confirmation bias in the way that people perceive him. The fact is, bottom line, he is a guy who went and got I, th- I think it's not unfair to say the worst job in league football. Certainly at Fair. the at the time, this is a guy who wants to be a head coach so badly, who wants to make it work <laughs> so badly. He went and took the worst job in the league, and he made a success of it with very little resource. I think that's extraordinarily laudable. How many coaches, or how many of his peers in his generation, would have said, "All right, I'll go and I'll go and take on Macclesfield Town"? <laughs> the the I think the scope for you ending up with egg on your face and for people saying, what's he doing down there? Or look at the state of him. He can only get a job at Macclesfield Town. I, th- I think for him to take that on, to have that level of belief and to have that desire to get stuck in them escaping relegation last season was a near miracle
1: on the final day of the season as well for those fans, they will remember that day for the rest of their lives. And they'll remember that Sol Campbell was their manager. And as you say, he was willing to take on that job, a job that looked almost destined for Macclesfield to fall out of the football league and be relegated for him to take that on and do as well as he did is something to be applauded, I think, and and now that he's left, I think it's a real shame that some fans are, you know, not being particularly nice.
3: Well, what are you meant to do if you're you're not getting paid? I mean, is is there an acceptable amount? Can of, you blame him? Is there an acceptable amount of time not to be paid? I mean, we we saw this, didn't we, in an extraordinary way? Following up, we were talking about Barry and Bolton the other week, and um, you know, you had the the owner of um, Barry, uh, Steve Dale who, well, I, 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 there aren't any words, really, on Talk Sport last week, um, rowing with one of his players because he was uh, proudly trumpeting that he paid him 50% of his pay last month, having not paid him for months. <sighs> As if, like, how dare you come on and complain about your circumstances when you've been Incredible. given, like, one-sixteenth of, of, of what you're legally <laughs> entitled to. And what and you're and, owed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... It, it takes something like that to, to to put it in into perspective for a player to say, actually, I'm on the brink of losing everything. Me and my family are in a spot. Um, you know, we're going to get thrown out of our house. Um, you know, that that's disruptive in 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 every way. Obviously, anyway, even even if you're a single person, but he, he was he was a guy with a with a family, with kids at school, and all the rest of it. It's, it's very difficult for us sometimes to to think of footballers like that. You know, we think of them all living in mansions in Essex or or, or, or whatever, even if they're playing for Berry, but <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's not like that. And um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's something that is it, it, something that we want, we want our clubs to survive no matter what, of course, but there comes a point where it's, it's just too much. And, you know, a, a player, whether it's, or a coach, but it be, whether it be someone like Sol Campbell, who's done very well out of his career, or whether it be someone who's living hand-to-mouth, like the the, the Berry player, excuse me, I can't remember the name, who, who was on Talk TalkSport um, telling his owner what he was going through. Um, there comes a point where you're like, you know, I signed a contract, I'm entitled to this money, I deserve to be paid, I'm not putting up with this anymore.
1: It's interesting to see as well the different reactions and the different kind of levels of allowance that and leeway that players turned managers get because there are so many of them in this kind of era now, aren't there? To name a few, we've obviously got Scott Parker who went down with Fulham, but that was accepted because of the circumstances in which he took over the club. Yes. They, were, they were set for relegation already. So I don't think anyone expected him to, to keep them up. If he did, then it would have been a miracle. But how long will he get this season?
3: Yeah and I think a lot of it is the perception of what they are like as a as, as a, person, a person isn't
1: it it's similar with Jonathan Woodgate at Middlesbrough yeah. this is his first managerial role he obviously is a borough boy so do the fans give him a bit more leeway because of that
3: yeah and I think they of, haven't
1: won yet they haven't they haven't won a game yet this season
3: but I think because of what went before I think most borough fans realize it's a it's a year zero, you know. There's dissatisfaction with the football, um, and you know they've, since they've le- they've left the Premier League, Middlesbrough have found it very, very difficult to to fill the stadium. And when you bear in mind, you know, when I was in my teens and early twenties, it, it was it was always full. And you know, there are Premier League perennial, even through those crazy years of, you know, Ravinelli and Brian Robson and Emerson and uh, Janina Palisu and all, all those. But you've got the inside track on this, haven't you?
1: Well, my dad's a Middlesbrough fan. My family are from Middlesbrough and my dad has supported them since he's a kid. And you're probably wondering how on earth I'm a Brighton fan then. It's because my dad moved down to Brighton when he was 18. But through and through, he's a borough boy and has supported them his whole life. And I asked him, I said, Dad, how are you feeling about what's happening at Middlesbrough right now. He was a Pulis out. He didn't like the style of football last year. So he said to me, as long as we see attacking good football this year, that's important. And they're almost seeing this, he said, him and his friends that are Borough fans, they're seeing this as a transitional season. They're, They're allowing that with Woodgate. But he did say that there does also come a point where he needs to get wins. Otherwise he's worried that he might not get a whole season.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose this is.
1: It's a results-based business, Andy, as we were saying yeah, earlier. It is, is about the results.
3: This is Lampard w- without the transfer ban, but is. ba- ba- basically, isn't it? But, you know, I mean, Jonathan Woodgate is not just someone who played for the club. He is a local lad. And I, I think that that matters. Um, uh, interestingly, a, a friend of mine um, grew up on a, I think a parallel street to Jonathan Woodgate and he said that when Woodgate came home from Real Madrid for his first winter break he turned up at his mum and dad's house in an old banger completely stuffed with bags of dirty washing (laughs) like he was coming home from university
1: (laughs) that is excellent it's pretty good isn't it footballers they don't know how to wash their own clothes Andy well, if you're you're going to give Real, them a bad name.
3: If, if, if you're at Real Madrid, I mean, you know, what 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 happens? I mean, Santi Solari goes, uh, do you want to come out for dinner tonight? And you go, no, no. I've got I washing I got my to got my do. Washing
1: <laughs> well, we hope that Middlesbrough pick up, well, I'm sure my dad will be hoping that Middlesbrough pick up some points this weekend. Andy, it's been a pleasure as always. See you next Tuesday. Look forward to it. Are we it? allowed to say that on this show?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're allowed to say that. See you
1: next Tuesday. <laughs>
3: kids lunch I had uh, I had fish fingers and chips for lunch
1: oh nice yeah.
3: on a Monday sometimes Friday dinner sometimes you've got to have a kids lunch
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this was a Stakhanov production